0: We've been talking about the promises of God. And uh, it's a series now, so for a couple weeks we've been picking a different promise of God and we've been going into it. Last week, the promise was that we'll live long and it will go well with us. And I shared with you how that promise was conditional on if you honored your parents. And the fact that we need to honor our parents and make things right if they haven't been right, and with that would come a blessing and long life. That was the promise for last week. This week, the promise I want to look at is the promise of an abundant, eternal life. Scripture shows us clearly that God promised life, an abundant life. Not just life, but abundant life. You know, there's a big difference between just life and abundant life. Anybody here uh, have plants in their house? Anybody grow plants? Okay, there's a difference between your plant being alive and your plant being abundantly alive, right? Right, you go to some people's homes and their plants are like this and there's flowers all over. And then sometimes the plant is just alive. It's kind of bent over, two stems. But it's alive. Now, sometimes when you speak about life, sometimes Christians, they're alive in Christ just a couple stems. And they actually think, well, at least I'm alive. But God actually said, hey, I want to give you abundant life. I want you to flourish. I want you to bloom, not just barely make it through. Okay? God promised abundant life. So let's look at it in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And I'm actually going to look at this verse in a couple different versions for you so that you can get a good understanding of it. John 10.10 10 in the New King James Version 1st. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The New Living Translation says it like this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life and one more version tonight for you the passion translation and this just helps explain it it says a thief has only one thing in mind he wants to steal slaughter and destroy but I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect life in its fullness until you overflow Somebody say amen. Amen. Remember, when you say amen, you say, I believe it, I receive it, it's mine. He wants to give us abundant life, flourishing. And I want you to keep that picture in your mind of the wilted plant or the plant that's blooming and flourishing. God wants to give you that. And today, maybe you're here and you think, I feel like that plant that's barely alive. Well, God can change that for you. And I believe even with this message, you can receive what he has. You see, two things come out of this promise. Number one, there's an enemy who wants to bring you death and destruction. And then there is the Lord God, the Lord Jesus, who wants to bring you life and actually eternal life, but abundant eternal life. Okay, this is key. Let's uh, eat the broccoli first and we'll have ice cream after, okay? Do you guys do that? Anybody when they, when they were kids, you know, if they give you a plate of food, you eat the stuff that's not so good first? You know, eat the turnips first and go for the steak after. Was I the only kid that did that? It was way easier when you're super hungry to eat the stuff you don't like. But anyhow, I'm going to give you the first part where the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and then we'll finish off with the good stuff, where the Lord wants to give you abundant life. And this is key for you to understand. This is really important for you to get. All right, 1 John 3, verse 8, says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay, so the devil is our number one enemy. The devil and his horde are the spirits that uh, follow him. And it says, from the beginning, he sinned. John eight forty four. Jesus says a little bit more about this. I'm going to explain it as we go, but follow with me. John eight forty four. 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was a murderer from the beginning. So it says he sinned from the beginning. Now it's saying he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, interestingly, this scripture tells us that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. In other words, he wanted to kill God's creation, people, from the beginning. But if you have read in Genesis, you know in the beginning, he came in the form of a serpent and he didn't kill anybody, did he? Or did he? That was a good question. Did he? Or did he? Well, guess what? He did because he's called a murderer from the beginning. And he says he's a murderer from the beginning, but then he very quickly gives us a picture of how he did it. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Mm. He destroyed life with a lie. You see... You and I have an enemy who wants to destroy your life, steal from your life, destroy your life, kill you if he can. And in the beginning, what did he do? He came to God's creation, Adam and Eve, the first two people on earth. He didn't show up with horns and a red outfit and a spear and come up to Adam and Eve and go, ah, killed you. Did he? Or, you know, I know that was like kid stuff. You know, but Sometimes people have a picture in their mind that somehow the devil kills people, he shows up with a big sword or something. No, he doesn't. He shows up in disguise, and he begins to lie to you. He hasn't changed a bit. Do you know he has no authority over a Christian? None. But he can lie to your thoughts, and if you listen, and if you believe it, he will steal from you. All your... You just don't know what you're doing. No, it's not really like that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're not really important. Nobody really cares about you. He's a liar. Yeah, nobody cares if you're around. I don't think anybody even, you know, they probably don't even think about you. Liar, liar, liar. You see, all he needs to do is lie. And from the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, we read where the serpent began to lie to Eve to bring death. And listen to what he says. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He is a lie and the father of lies. And he tells them a half truth which is still a lie so that they would take the fruit and death would begin immediately to die doesn't mean you instantly die but death began immediately and immediately they were kicked out of the garden and they begin to age but he didn't do it by coming and scaring them he did it by lying to them did you know that the enemy does the same thing to people today Over and over and over. But he doesn't just do it to destroy your life. He wants to steal from you. How about the lie? Oh, you're, you know, you're no good for your partner. You know, they don't really care about you. They just wish they could have somebody else. Lies. Or how about the other lie? Oh, you're just way, way better than your partner. You should have somebody better. Because, you know... Stealing. Has anybody ever seen the devil come along and show up in bodily form and separate two people? So you get a divorce. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Has anybody ever seen that? Nope. But he can do it by lying. Doesn't matter who he lies to, as long as he can steal from you, he'll do it. Now, anybody who's been through past relationships, this is not on you. Not at all, okay? It's possible he lied to the partner you were with and they started believing crazy things or they took off on you. Maybe even in your situation, the enemy lied to you. That's the past. God's forgiven you if you brought it to him. So please, don't anybody think I'm pointing that at anyone. I'm just explaining to you how the enemy did it. and I'm explaining to you so he doesn't do it again. He lied. And people begin to believe it. And when you begin to believe his lies, pretty soon you start to act on them. And he wiggles his way in. You see, he steals, kills, and destroys through lies. And in effect, in the very beginning in that story with Adam and Eve, the devil in effect got them to destroy themselves by lying to them that is unbelievable think about it he got them to do the very thing God said don't do it or you'll die by lying you see the devil has no power over you but if he can lie to your thoughts and you'll bite like a fish if you start acting on it it'll take you down a path that will destroy you so friend Don't worry, this is the broccoli, you guys. Hang in there. Don't anybody like, I'm out of here. This is bad. Hang in there. The good stuff's coming. I'm exposing what he's doing and what he's done to some people here. You know, maybe you blamed yourself for everything. It wasn't your fault. You have an enemy. And he sowed seeds and lies that caused the problems. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12 It says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I probably don't need to read that again. That one's pretty plain, isn't it? If the old enemy can get you fighting one another, or fighting a coworker, or fighting your spouse, or fighting a family member, he's won. But you're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting a real battle, but it's in the spirit. And maybe today you're saying, well, what does that look like? Like, I've never had to take swords in the spirit and do anything. You're probably like, what? Guys, the spiritual battle happens for you and I the most right here. He fights you in your thoughts. And you're like, the spiritual battle is there? That's the only place he can get in to change what you think so you'll change what you do so he can destroy. That's it. So, you're like, I don't know, pastor. That sounds a little... Are you sure? Uh, Let's go to scripture to make sure. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Whew, this sounds powerful. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He just made that sound like the unbelievable battle, didn't it? And when he got to the end of the verse he's saying you take every thought into captivity. Arr! Anybody here ever wanted to be a soldier? Anybody when they're a kid ever wanted to be like a sword fighter? I was like nobody? Am okay, I the only one? Am I <laughs> Did anybody here ever want to be a superhero and defeat the bad guys? Somewhere in us there's that desire right <laughs> to defeat and be a hero. And it almost is like when he begins that verse, that's how he's saying it. And when he gets it done, the battle is where? You want to be a superhero. Take captivity, the lies that he's trying to tell you, and crush them. And you do that. When the lie comes, you crush it with truth. And he lies to you and tells you you're no good for nothing. You know how you be a superhero and crush that lie? I am made in the image of God. He has a plan for my life. I'm more than a conqueror. (laughs) You become a superhero. And you just defeated him. Nobody wants you around. There's nothing. You're not good at anything. Now you crush that lie. Do you know how you crush that lie? With truth. With truth. The Lord knows the plans that he has for me. And the plans that he has for me are good. And the plans that he has for me are for me to prosper. He's put his spirit in me. And if his spirit is in me, then in my mouth and in my life, there's healing. There's life and there's blessing for others. He's called me to be one of his, which means I need to reach out to other people. That means other people need me. That wasn't for a pastor, by the way. That was for anybody who calls himself a believer. There's people who don't know the truth, and I know it. I think we have some superheroes here. Oh, this is going to help you. Next time he's telling lies to you, you get a picture of yourself being the Superman. I don't know, whatever superhero you like. And you crush that lie. You crush that lie with truth. And you bring every thought into captivity to the knowledge of Christ. And can I tell you something? You are not the only person who's been lied to. The enemy hates all people. He has lied to every person in this room at some point in their life and told them those stupid lies. And again, you defeat him by knowing the truth. And friends, you know how you help others around you? I told you, be a superhero. I said it began here for you. You really want to be a superhero? Then help the person beside you. Speak into their life the truth. Help the ones around you speak into their life because what you speak goes into their thoughts, and now you can change what they're feeling. You can change how they're believing. You know somebody who's fearful? You got a friend who's very fearful right now, maybe? Well, you go put an arm around them, and you tell them, hey, don't worry. God's got us. You know, he's saying his word. I don't give you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a strong mind. He says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. None. No plague can come near your dwelling. None. That's being a superhero. Because what are you doing? You're helping them overcome the battle. All right, I got to keep moving on. The Lord Jesus wants to bring abundant and eternal life. So we're getting to the good stuff now. We're on to the last part, the last half. Okay, maybe more than half. But it's the good stuff. Jesus wants to bring abundant, eternal life to each of us. And we hear it right from the beginning. Genesis 2, verse 7. I'm ringing a little bit. Maybe it's where I'm standing. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Where does life come from? God. God. You see, you need to understand this. You are serving a God of life, all right? Scripture says that death was the last enemy put under Jesus' feet. God wants us to live with him, and you and I will live eternally somewhere. When we pass from this life, our spirit lives on in heaven if we're a Christian and in a horrible place called hell if we've not accepted what Christ did. But right from the beginning, God is life. You see, the Lord created an amazing, abundant world, and he breathed out life. And here is the good news for you and I. He does not change. He does not change that same generous, amazing God who made this abundant creation and then breathed life is still at work today. He still wants abundance for you and He still wants to breathe life into everything you do. Let Him breathe life. John 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Now go to verse fourteen. If this seems a little confusing, look at verse 14, and you'll see who he's talking about. It says, So the Word became a human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus was called the Word, and he was responsible for life, for everything that was created, life. If we call ourselves Christians, everything we do should be bringing life to those around us because life is important. The words we speak, the way we speak them, are we bringing life to those around us? I remember years ago, they did a study of plants We were talking about plants earlier. And uh, they put these plants in a room, and then they played certain music all day long at a fairly decent volume to the plants. And uh, they tried playing uh, heavy metal music with negative words and crashing music, and the plants wilted. And then they played uplifting music, something with melodies and uplifting, and the plants actually grew. Hey, if a plant can be affected by what it's hearing continually in the atmosphere around it, so are you and I. What are you putting in your atmosphere? I'm not saying you're all plants or you're all trees or anything. But what are you putting in your atmosphere? Because it will definitely affect you. Let me give you a really good tip right now. If you're angry and you know it's not healthy, don't play angry music. You will feed that thing. What are you putting in your atmosphere? Fill it up with what you want to be filled up with. Okay? Fill yourself. Fill the atmosphere where you are. And yes, music is a great atmosphere filler. So choose it well. 1 John 5, 11 and 13. 1 John 5, starting at verse 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life... Is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, Jesus himself declared or promised abundant life to those who came to him. We read a verse in John chapter 8, verse 11, that says this. And I'll give you the backstory, and then we'll read the verse. So, John 8, and I'm actually going to start at verse 10, but just let me give you some backstory. This is Jesus, and they have caught a woman. They said they caught her in the act of adultery, and they bring her to Jesus, and they say, Our law says. She should be stoned to death. And Jesus, it said, didn't answer them. And then he said, he kneeled down and wrote in the sand. And they looked up and he said, whoever of you has never sinned, go ahead, throw the first stone. He continued to write in the sand. Nobody threw a stone. There wasn't one of them willing to say they were perfect and never made done wrong. And they turned and they left. And in verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is about life and light. Their law could have said, end her life because she has messed up so bad. That's what it said. Jesus said, no, I don't think so. Jesus forgives your past. He forgives your mistakes. And he says, I want to give you light. I want to give you life. And life abundant, as that first verse we read said. In another place, Jesus stood before a crowd and called them and said these words that we read in Matthew eleven twenty eight. And Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Did you know that sometimes... People are carrying heavy, heavy burdens. The Lord didn't ask them to carry. You need to give them to him. If your life feels not abundant, but just heavy and weary, may I suggest to you that you're carrying burdens that someone else gave you, not him. And you need to lay them down. If you're working three jobs and it's killing you, do you need the three jobs? If it's to pay for your new vehicle and your new house, do you need the new house and the new vehicle? What's most important? Let the heavy burden go. He wants to give you abundant life, and he said he didn't give heavy burdens. John 11, verse 23 and 26. It comes, this scripture comes out of another amazing story in scripture that I'm not going to get into all the detail, but Jesus was good friends with a family, there were two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother, brother, Lazarus. Lazarus got sick and died. And Jesus finally came, but he'd been dead for a while. And Jesus comes and he talks with the sisters. And in 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Everybody say life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is life. I want to get this through to you today over and over and over if I can. Somebody's having fun. I thought it was my mic at first. (laughs) Okay, we're good, we're good. There is life in Him because He is resurrection and life. So, if you are spending time with Him, what are you going to be full of? Life. When we spend time with Christ and in Him, then we should be full of life. Not full of death, not full of complaining, not full of baloney. I just threw that in there, just see if you guys are listening. Anybody ever heard that statement, you're full of baloney? Nobody? Okay, that must have been a thing, you know, when I was a kid. (laughs) Nobody ever told me I was full of baloney. Well, they probably did, but anyways. What is coming out of your mouth? Is it life? What are you full of? I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt if you're feeling like this life is horrible, this life is just not worth it, I know there's a space between you and what Christ has. You've got to get close to Him because He's life. And He will show you things you've never seen. He will show you what you can't see in the natural, He will open doors that you can't open. He will fill you to overflowing so that joy comes out of you no matter what the circumstance. And when you get around people, they will feel alive. You hear me? When you get around people, they will want to laugh. When you get around people, they will feel joy. You say, well, how do I do that? Get around Jesus. Get around Jesus. Get around church and worship Be part of a life group where they're alive and praying for one another and caring about each other and speaking life into you. If you're going to call and talk to someone, call and talk to that friend who always builds you up. I, I really get a sense that even right now, you're feeling more life than when you came in. You can't not because I just shared the verses. I could be a horrible preacher and just share the verses and you'll go out of here feeling life. That might be why I share so many verses, just to make sure. But it's a fact, isn't it? Because this word is showing you who Christ is. It alone will bring you life. And that's why I encourage you. When you've heard the messages, go listen to them again. Write the verses down. Read them again. Let the life flow and build you up. 1 John 4 and verse 9. It says, In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, he paid the price. You and I can receive this life from Christ and resist the devil and his plan. And it's not very difficult. You see, God wants it for us. We can receive it. And I'm going to just show you how we get to receive it. James 4, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay, so here's the two key things. Submit to God. In other words, you give it to him, you follow his plan, and you resist the devil. So his plan to destroy, defeat, steal, say, eh, no thanks, I'm following God the best I can. And when you do, get ready for good things. Now, John 3 16 and 17. For most Christians, this is a well known verse, but let's read it. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Everybody say life. Life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That verse we read so often, what has he come to give? Life! Not just life here, but eternal life. If the enemy has tried to steal that joy of life from you, he is defeated.